0: hey what is good it is your car man cj and welcome to the cars finance and friends podcast with your car man cj welcome this is a brand new podcast and i'm very excited uh, to be doing this and um i don't really know what i'm doing to a certain degree here but uh, i'm all about just you know starting things and learning as you go um Like I mentioned, I'm excited because I believe a podcast gives me another avenue, another medium to uh, communicate information out to to the world and share my information about what I am an expert on. But in addition, it also is an opportunity to have a little fun, um, share some entertaining stories and different things like that. Um, So it won't just be a situation where we're just talking about cars and finance and numbers. We will do that, but we'll also have some fun along the way. So as I mentioned, I am CJ. I am the founder of CarBuyerU. You can find us at CarBuyerU across all of the social media platforms, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, Facebook, um, YouTube, all the same handle, at CarBuyerU. And a lot of people ask me, well, what is CarBuyerU? Well, CarBuyerU is an online automotive educational platform, and we help people understand the car buying process. And there's a number of different layers to that, but that effectively is what car you is. Uh, I'll get into a little bit more of that. I'll get into that a little bit more, excuse me, um, as we go here. But uh, I do want to tell you kind of what this podcast ultimately is and what it's going to become. Um, this podcast, the main topic of the podcast is auto finance literacy and understanding the car buying process. But I also plan on having special guests from all walks of life whether that is automotive, finance, uh, entertainment, sports, entrepreneurship, business, you name it. So in addition to being in auto finance literacy, um, main focus, uh, we will have some fun. Um, this podcast will be entertaining. It will be um, informative. And so on a number of different levels. So it won't just be one basic podcast. It will be kind of a, a variety podcast, if you will, but it is my it is my objective to make it entertaining and informative um, as we as we kind of move on. So um, a lot of people ask me you know about me. a lot of people don't know me. I am a pretty private person. Um, social media was hard for me to to get on board with social media and put certain things out there just because I am a private person. but when I started my endeavor, about Car Buyer U, I realized that it was important to uh, ex- embrace social media, and then along the way, it was important for me to show who I am. You know, there's a person behind the Car Buyer U brand in the Car Buyer U social media handles. So, if you have been following me for any amount of time now, you've noticed that a lot of times it was always my logo or branding or something that was listed as my avatar and different things like that. And I've kind of moved more towards, you know, putting my picture. And showing my face, uh, doing more reels and different things like that to show people that there's a real person behind this. And, you know, I want them to to see me and embrace me and understand that, hey, you know, I I am a regular person just like you guys are. I just happen to have some information that is very, very helpful to the masses from my experience and my knowledge. So, a little more about me Um, I grew up in the car capital and entertainment center of the world we call that place Los Angeles and I have always loved cars and I've always been intrigued by business um obviously growing up in la I guess you're gonna see cars you're gonna see a lot of cars uh you're gonna see very nice cars you know when I when I was growing up I was exposed to a lot of different things um and I did see a lot of nice cars and I just you know as a kid gravitate towards cars I had my hot wheels I had my little Toy cars and I always loved cars. So as I got older, I just went from the toys to the real thing. And, um, uh, you know, from a business standpoint, my dad was an entrepreneur, um, you know, for a fair level of success. That's a whole other story for another episode there, but I was exposed to that from him. And, you know, as I got older and grew up, I typically, uh, not typically, but I, I just gravitated towards business. So I've always had a business mind, I've always had an entrepreneur mindset and you know quite frankly I didn't really act on it in the right way you know my you know my younger years as I, as I grew up but ultimately it's never left me and so it's something that I've always been interested in and now I am just really really focused on that aspect of things and um, you know to help that succeed and move forward with that so that gives you uh, a little background initial background uh, about where I grew up Um, But, you know, from an industry background, and trust me, I will talk more about me. Uh, I have a lot of stories, uh, some very interesting stories, because I will say this. I did grow up in L.A. I have a lot of friends, obviously, who grew up in L.A. with me. Uh, I played basketball, and I was okay. We'll just say that. I was okay, maybe a little bit better than okay. And a lot of my friends that I played with were also really good not just okay they were really good so i had a lot of friends make it to high levels of sports um professional levels basketball football um, but primarily basketball and so you know being exposed to them and seeing what their journey was and you know always keeping in touch with various people as i matriculated through and eventually got into the car business you know people let me let me explain this entertainers and athletes for example okay they have a very small world their world is very confined and the problem that they have is they don't have a, a high level of trust because they have so much money and everyone who comes at them who they don't know you know they have to kind of figure that this person is trying to get money from me you know so they're very cautious about who they deal with so in my case knowing these people who I grew up with or played basketball with, or whatever the case may be, they know me. So once they found out that I was in a car industry, um, because my very first job was working for Mercedes-Benz, we'll, we'll touch on that in a moment, they trusted me because they know me. And so it was really easy to work with me and you know develop uh, a working relationship with them. And when someone in those industries, again, entertainers, um, actors, uh, athletes, you know, that type of people, <laughs> um, once they find someone who they work with, who they like and trust, they refer that person to everyone that they know because they all had the same problem. And so by me working with and knowing with some of my friends who I played ball with, who made it to the league, they go out and tell other guys around the league. And so those guys are basically, Hey, this, you're vouching for this guy. Great. You know what? He's one of us. We can trust him. You know, he's in the inner circle, if you will. And so it just kind of went on from that. And then it just kind of snowballed. So you know, you you work with a guy that you know, and then this guy, you know, talks to another guy, another team, talks to another guy with another team, talks to another guy with this team. And so, so you are getting various phone calls from guys, you know, first to start with the local team. So that the Lakers and the Clippers and those guys working for those guys. And eventually it starts to spread to guys at other teams in other cities and different things like that. So I'm working out deals. I'm shipping cars all over the, all over the country for these guys and just developing my, my name brand, my name recognition and different things like that in that trust level. Um, eventually it rolled over into the entertainment world because athletes and entertainers know each other. These guys are at parties. They do certain things. Hey, you know, we're looking for a car. Man, I got a car guy. Go talk to my guy over here. And so then now you're in the same inner circle with the entertainers uh, and and the actors and the the musicians and the rappers and all that type of stuff. And so then you're getting more opportunities. So, you know, from that perspective, it was great. I I ultimately ran the sports entertainment division for Mercedes-Benz. And that was great because you know it was just fun. <laughs> lots of industry parties um, and just lots of connections with various people and selling every car so it was you know effectively a hundred thousand plus car. They were all high commission vehicles and it was just it was very fun. This just put it that way. And like I said, some of those stories we'll say for other uh, podcasts, but um, effectively that's kind of how things kind of snowballed for me you know within the within the industry. So a little more about my industry background, because that was very specific towards one thing. But um, you know, around the 2000, I believe it was, is when I started working at, in dealerships. I started working as what we call a green pea salesperson, brand new, you know, to the to the car world, brand new to car sales, didn't know anything. So you're very green. So that's where the term green pea comes in. And so, come in as a salesperson, you don't know anything, and all you do is just listen to what the sales manager tells you no matter how ridiculous it sounds. You don't know it sounds ridiculous because you are you haven't been in the industry. So whatever they tell you, you take that paper and go back to the customer and say the same thing to the customer. And sometimes the customers have these look on their face like, really? But you'd be amazed. Salespeople in the car industry make the most money when they first start out because they don't know anything. They don't know any better. Whatever the sales manager tells you, you go tell the customer. And a lot of times, you no, know, they're taken back, but eventually you get a deal done, and you make all the money because the sales managers are always trying to make all the money initially, right? And that's how you make the most money when you first start out. You don't know any better, and then as you go along in your car um, career, you start to learn how the business works, right? And so then you almost learn too much for your own good. You 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 think you know more than you really do, and so instead of just going back and telling what the sales manager told you, you start to negotiate with the sales manager right oh well, the customer won't do this they won't do that they won't do this you know the customer didn't say anything you're saying that because you think the customer won't do that you we actually become worse sales people you know as we kind of get a little more experience so you go from making a lot of money then you kind of dip down because you're hurting your own money because you you think you know it all and then ultimately you realize that okay i need to stop doing that right And even though you have the knowledge now, but you kind of go back to the same principles that you had when you were a Greenpeace salesperson, and then your income starts to go up again. And then you find that that sweet spot, if you will, as a salesperson, and you kind of level off and you kind of stay up with a high income and you make good money, especially working for a brand like Mercedes-Benz, high profit type of brand. So that's pretty much how it worked for me as well. Made a lot of money, but I didn't know anything. I thought I learned everything. I thought I knew everything. Then my money dropped. Then I realized I need to you know, stop doing that and then you know, just work the system as it's designed to. And then my money went up again. And then once I got really good, my money just really went up because you understand how to sell cars. You understand people. All these type of things that go into why I'm doing what I'm doing now because the system is completely rigged against the consumer you buy a car 100% rigged against the consumer. Um but I worked in dealerships for about 10 years um and I've held various roles uh obviously salesperson, sales manager, finance manager, um inventory control manager, finance director, general sales manager, you un- porter. <laughs> uh, I have gone out and getting cars from the back and you'll know, take them to the car wash and things like that. So I've done virtually every job within a dealership on the sales side. Didn't do a whole lot on the service side or what we call fix ops, but I did a lot on the sales side. So, uh, over 10 years of experience about doing that and developing relationships with the finance companies and the banks and different things like that, understanding how to sell cars to people, uh, understanding that, you know, the car industry preys on emotion and lack of knowledge. That's the main things that they use against people. And most people don't even know when we're doing things to them. They really don't. I try to exp- explain a lot of these things, and some of my posts and different things like that. But again, I look at it as people are like that salesperson curve, right? They think they know certain things, and they really don't. And we're we're ultimately we end up using those things against that person, and they don't even realize it. And so I try to help with you know what I'm doing at CarBuyerU to help people understand these things so that they you know don't get themselves in a bad position and they ultimately get a good deal. So um, so as I was saying, uh, that's kind of my you know, journey through the car dealership world. Um, I have worked for the largest public automotive group in the country as well as the largest private automotive group in the country. That's important because there's a reason why those guys are number one and number one. Uh, their processes, what they do, their training, it's all designed to generate profit. And they do a very good job at it, which is why they're number one. I have also worked for the number one or the most profitable dealership in the United States. So just think about that. Working for the most profitable dealership in the United States and what is their procedures and and, and, um, policies and the different things that they do. They follow certain scripts to a T, okay? They have processes in place that they do not deviate from ever. And that's why they're the most profitable store. So, So understanding that working for them I've learned the inside, you know, information, inside knowledge about what they do to generate so much profit and how it works against the consumer because the consumer doesn't realize it one and two, they're so caught up in emotion because, oh, this is an awesome car. This is, this is great. Especially at the luxury level. I was at Mercedes Benz for the most part. And, you know, people come in there, especially if someone's never had a Mercedes or, you know, maybe they're going from a smaller Mercedes to a a bigger Mercedes, what I call a real Mercedes. And they're so emotionally attached to that car that we can do almost anything, you know, to them from a from a finance or a deal standpoint that's going to help maximize the money for the dealership. What I say is this: the dealership is legally robbing the consumer. And I had to say legally, the majority of these dealerships are owned by you know conglomerate corporations, they're billion-dollar corporations. They're not going to risk that to try to steal 3000 dollars from you on the deal. But what they're going to do is they're going to position uh, themselves in their in their processes and how everything works with that dealership. They're going to position it so they maximize the most profitable profit that they can. They will squeeze as much profit as they can out of that uh, deal legally. And so it may not always be 100% ethical, but it is legal and they will make their money. Very similar to how the process works in Vegas. We've all probably been to Vegas or been to a casino. It doesn't have to be Vegas; it can be on the East Coast somewhere. But casinos are set up a certain way, and they're all set up the exact same way. They're set up to be confusing. They're set up to be inviting, and they're set up to keep you there. Okay, casinos. You ever notice the carpet at a casino and and the flow of the of the um, of the walking patterns and traffics and everything else? They're going to they're going to steer you through a certain point where they want you to go. They're going to make it look confusing so that you don't really know exactly where you're at. They have no windows in casinos. They have no clocks in casinos. This is all done for a reason because they don't want you to leave. They don't want you to know what time it is. They don't want you to see it's getting dark out. No, they want you in there and spending your money. Dealerships operate in the same capacity. They they do things to confuse you and to, to direct you towards emotion as opposed to logic. And emotions, the number one killer um, to a consumer. It's the number one thing that's going to help the dealership make profit. It's the number one thing that's going to hurt a consumer from getting the best deal they possibly can. So, again, all these things I really try to communicate to people um, with, with Car Buyer you because it is important. It, it is true. And, you know, people can say what they want. Oh, I bought cars for years. I know this. I know that. One thing I do know is this. The industry makes a lot of money. The top 10 uh, finance, auto finance lenders generated about a hundred, excuse me, $895 billion in revenue last year in 2021. Think about that. That's just the top 10. The top 10 generated $895 billion. So that's, those are the loans that they gave out. They generated $895 billion in revenue in one year. So what's the profit margin on that? Probably pretty high probably pretty high. Even if you assume the worst credit and in the, in the good credit, you're still assuming probably an average credit person, uh, excuse me, uh, average credit rating, I don't know, probably eight or 9%. And they're loaning their money out, especially in 2021 before the rate hikes went up. They were loaning the money out for damn near 0%, 1%. And they're going to charge on average eight, nine, 10%. If you factor in the great, you know, prime, super prime customers and you factor in the subprime customers, they probably average about 10%. So if they're getting money for 1% and they're loaning out for 10%, that's a, public school math tells me that's a 9% spread on $895 billion. And that's only the top 10. But people will tell me, oh, I got a great deal. Really? Well, if everyone says they got a great deal, why are the finance companies making so much money? The number one car dealer uh, in the country is Toyota. I believe they had revenues of about 200 and... Oh, excuse me. It's not. It's now Volkswagen. Volkswagen was the number one automotive brand in the United States last year. And they generated about $263 billion in revenues. Okay. Finance companies making money. The dealerships are making money, right? Hmm. Or the automotive groups are making money, the manufacturers. So now the dealership level, the top dealership group in the United States is AutoNation. AutoNation owns the most dealerships. They generate the most profit they generated in excess of about $250 million in revenues. So all these guys are making all this money, all this revenue, all this profit, but consumers seem to think that they know how to buy a car. And I got a great deal. No, nah, you really didn't get a great deal. You thought you got a great deal. But in reality, um, they 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 got the majority of the profit. So this is why... I created Car you This is why I have this podcast, because I want to get my information out and try to help people, maybe ask some questions and just really help get the word out about, hey, if you do follow these basic steps here, you'll get a better deal than you can possibly get. I'm not saying the dealership shouldn't make money. They're still a company. They're they're They are a for-profit organization. They're going to make some profit. They're going to make some money. They got to pay their people. They got to keep the lights on. We understand all that. But it's the gouging that I have a problem with. This is one of the reasons I got out of the industry. Because um, like I mentioned earlier, I worked in the dealership for 10 years, but I've also worked on the other side uh, for about 10, 11 years now. And that is the banking side. I have been a uh, bank rep, which is fine auto-financed um, dealer rep, uh, consultant, and trainer, as well as um, an actual uh, bank rep for you know the past 11, 10 or 11 years. So... I am now on the side that is looking at and approving loans and you know, my actual, I have actually, I still have a day job. I created car by you, but I still have a day job. And my day job is I am the regional auto finance director for a, for the largest bank in the United States. I am the person or at least the team that, that, that I oversee a, a team of underwriters and myself, we are the ones who approve, the deals that the banks send in. And so, you know, I, I say that because I really want people to understand that you're, you're listening to someone who literally is making the decisions about people who are trying to get a car finance. And so when I create a course or a book about what you need to do to get your best, you know, deal, it's coming from someone who worked in a dealership for over a decade, who sold the car, who did a deal in finance. And now this person is also on the other side of that phone. And so once the dealer sends that deal in, so now I'm the person who looks at the deal and determines if this is going to be approved or not. So I can't think of any anyone else who would be more qualified to do exactly what I'm doing, which is instruct people on how to buy a car, one, the right way, and two, what you need to do to make sure you get your best financing. And part of that is credit, you know, and we're going to have a lot of conversations about credit, uh, that's the very first thing in my book is we talk about credit. If your credit is not together, my first recommendation is always is get your credit together. And if you have to get a car, you know, right now, understand that too. You know, we can still help with that as well. But understand that if you do do that, you got to put a plan together because that's not going to be a great deal, but you have to have a car. We have to get you to a point where you can flip out of that car at some point and get into a better deal. Most people in the subprime market just you know it's it's a it's a revolving door basically they always end up in a bad deal they never repair their credit they never you know I shouldn't say repair they never get their credit together to get themselves in a position to get a better deal next time so again that's a whole nother uh, episode that we will definitely talk about so um you know i also want to um you know just communicate the fact of you know i want to have fun you know i don't like to do things and not have fun uh, I, I, I'm, I'm, I will be bringing on guests who are fun and sometimes the conversations may have nothing. We may talk about their favorite car, but other than that, we might want to hear some stories about certain things. Okay. Um, cause I've known a lot of people and like they have done a lot of things and, you know, we will talk about the playboy mansion story. <laughs> That's a story that we will talk about as well down the road. Um, Hope I don't get in trouble with that one, but uh, <laughs> it's 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 fun and it's nothing bad. Obviously, it's just it's just fun and entertaining. Living in Los Angeles does have its perks, um, but that gives you a little insight, you know, into me and uh, into why I, I I do what I do. Um, I I have a great story in the next podcast. I'm gonna tell a great story. Uh, it's called the Case of the Twenty Four Thousand Dollar Honda, and it really encapsulates. Why I do what I do right now? It's funny because I put that in my I put that in my book as well. It's such a a life changing you know situation for me that I had to reference that you know in the book because you have to have a why. Uh, People have to have a why as to why they do everything. And my why is not money. It's not just you know my my if my why was money, I would still be working for the dealer because I can work for a dealer and easily make probably quarter million dollars a year. Um, but I wouldn't feel good about myself because I'll be putting people together. I will be gouging interest rates and doing different things like that. Things you would have to do to make that kind of money in a car dealership. And, you know, one of the worst feelings is sitting across from a single mom who has three kids, you know, whose credit is shot because of a divorce or whatever the case may be. And as a finance manager, you have to sell her an extended warranty, um, you know, some, some paint protection stuff or whatever the case may be, low jack, and all this other stuff because if you don't, you don't make any money because the finance manager doesn't make a dime until they sell uh, things within the finance office. But you look at the deal and you realize that, man, she's already stretched you know, based on her credit, based on her income. The sales department already got her maxed out, but I got to add some more money to it or, or I don't eat. And if anything goes wrong, anything goes wrong in that woman's life, she won't be able to pay the car note. And then it's going to be a repossession and her credit will continue to be bad. So, yeah. I, I didn't want to do that anymore, so I got out of the um, dealership world. So now I'm on the other side, and I am trying to help people. So that pretty much gives you a little insight into me. Um, we'll we'll talk a little bit more uh, in detail about some of more of my backgrounds and go into some stories and getting some get into some specifics about what uh, you need to do to really position yourself, you know, to get your best deal and not get you know, taken by the dealership, not let the dealership legally rob you, you know, what you need to do to save thousands of dollars on your next uh, car deal. That's what I'm all about. So please follow us on all the social media platforms at U, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, um, YouTube, Facebook, we're all there. And um, you can also check out our website at, excuse me, carbuyeru.com is the website. Um, I have a blog there. I have a, a payment calculator there, as well as a online store where you can, you can grab our products. We have four products right now, three eBooks and a, um, a digital course, an eBook on Car Buyer's Guide for Purchasing, the Car Buyer's Guide for Leasing, um, and How to Buy a Car in Your Business Name the Right Way. Um, and there's also a digital course, the Car Buyer's Guide digital course, which effectively, you know, explains a lot of information. that's in the Car Buyer's Guide in the digital format. You know, some people prefer to, to listen and watch a video as opposed to read it. Um, so those are, are the four courses that we have up and available. They are absolutely packed with information that will help you get your best deal on your next car purchase. And that's why I want to cover my background, exactly, you know, what I did. Um, We'll talk more about, you know, where I went to school and some other things later on. But, um, you know, I, I know this industry. I know the car business, the dealership world. I know the auto finance world. And I can definitely help people make sure they do not get, you know, the short end of the stick when they are inside the dealership because it is set up against you. So just kind of keep that in mind. So. Until next time, appreciate you listening. You guys have a great one. Be well.